morning, and if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 14, Luke 14. And if you're able to this morning, let's stand for the reading of God's Word, Luke chapter 14. <clears throat> Luke 14, beginning in verse number 15, and we'll read down to verse number 24 for our text. The Bible says, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought, live, uh, 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 I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. This morning's message is entitled, An Invitation to Supper. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Bless the Word of God, Lord. May it fall on open hearts, receptive hearts. May it fall on ears that are listening. And Lord, I pray that you'd bind Satan from this place. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thanks for standing for the reading of the Word of God. Just about a week ago, we celebrated, and as I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, that every Sunday for a Christian should be Resurrection Sunday. Not just one Sunday a year, because the Lord is alive, and we understand that He is living today. And as a result of that, what Jesus promised and what He said while He was on this earth is something that is still available for us today. One of those things that, and really the main reason and purpose Jesus came, is he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So when I think about why Jesus came and what the future holds, I think about this matter of how he extended to all of mankind an invitation, an invitation to supper. How many of you like to eat? Uh-huh, if you didn't put your hand up, you're lying right now. Some put both hands up. 
I, I'll tell you, I think about all the times that we get together, and you know, if you want to have people show up, all you got to do is have food, right? And people show up. My dad always likes to have fun. He'll say to me, you Baptists, you always have to have a casserole. That's what my dad always says. But I think about how a lot of times things are, they revolve around mealtime. I don't know where you grew up, and I don't know what your concept is. Some people call it supper, and some people call it dinner. Now, I'll have an invitation. If you want to argue about it, you can come and ask the Lord about it. But I know this, that Jesus, a lot of times, talked to this matter of having supper time, sitting down. And I think that's one of the things that our, uh, our American family has gotten away from, is time around the table. Uh, many of you grew up like I did early on in life where at the end of the day, mom would be making something in the kitchen, dad would come home from work, maybe now in this society, mom and dad come home from work and, and, and supper was made, put on the table, and you would actually sit down around a table and you would eat and talk about the day. It was always a wonderful time, unless you didn't have a good day at school and then you didn't want to tell your mom and dad about what happened. But it was a time of fellowship. Uh, sometimes you think about in society, this matter of dinners and things that they might have. And, and sometimes uh, maybe you've had the privilege to sit down at one of those dinners with a famous person. And if you sat down with a famous person, maybe you've been to a presidential dinner. If you went to one of those, chances are you probably were privileged only because you paid $1,000 for that plate. Uh, sometimes some meals can be quite expensive I, I found that dining with, uh, with famous people is not something that everyone gets to do, really. Many times it's just what a few privileged people may get an opportunity to do. And I think today about what the passage is talking about, what the future holds for all of us. And what would, I, what would you say this morning if I told you that you and I could have dinner with Jesus? Wouldn't that be awesome? And I tell you from the Word of God this morning, it's a reality that you and I can have dinner with Jesus because He has invited us to dinner. He's not asking us to pay $1,000 for the plate. The invitation is open. The invitation is available to everyone. Now, in the passage we looked this morning, isn't it amazing that Jesus was inviting people but there were actually people that turned him down. That's hard to believe that someone would turn down Jesus to have dinner with Jesus. And this morning when I talk about Jesus and having dinner with the Lord, I'm really using what the Bible oftentimes uses. I'm using a metaphor, which is something to help us understand that it's talking about having the joys and the delights someday of being with the Lord for all of eternity. You find in the Word of God that the book of Revelation in chapter 19 mentions this, refers to this as the marriage supper of the Lamb. And Jesus Christ certainly is the Lamb of God. Now, we, we understand from the passage, and if you study the Word of God long enough, there are people that will be included in this dinner, this supper, but there will be some that will be excluded. Now, again, you study the Word of God, you find here in Luke 14 
that as you begin this chapter, and I want you to look at some verses if you have your Bible open, the Bible says in verse number one that it came to pass as Jesus, notice he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day. Now that's important. What day? Sabbath day. That they watched him. Now they're watching. They watched how Jesus ate. They, they watched what he did. They watched his manners. They watched everything about him. He was constantly under uh, their scrutinizing. He was constantly being watched. Everything that he did. And the Bible says in this setting, in verse number two, that there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. Jesus answering spake unto the lawyers and the Pharisees. Now that helps us understand those that knew God's word. All right? So Jesus says to them, is it lawful to heal on what day? On the Sabbath day. Now remember, they're watching him. The Bible says they held their peace. When he, when he asked them, can I heal? Can a person be healed on the Sabbath day? They held their peace and he took him, the man that had the dropsy, and he healed him and he let him go. And answered them saying, which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on what day? Sabbath. Verse 6, they could not answer him again to these things. And he put forth a parable to those which were bidden. In other words, everybody that's there at the supper, he says, and notice when he marked how they chose out the chief room, saying unto them, here's the parable. When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that hath uh, that bade thee, and, and, and he him come, and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased. In other words, you lift yourself up, you're going to be brought down. But notice, he that humbleth himself, he that begins in the lower seats, shall be exalted. Then said he also to him that bade him, when thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest the feast, call the who? Poor and maimed and the lame and the blind. And thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee. In other words, they, they have nothing to offer to thee. They have nothing they can give to you, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Now, when you look at this passage and what we read for our text this morning, Jesus was in the home of one of the leaders of the Pharisees. And again, it was on 
the Sabbath day. They were watching him. They were watching everything that he was doing. And one of those things they was paying attention to was, would he violate the laws? Would he violate the Sabbath? Jesus, as God, knew exactly what they were up to. He knew what their intent was. He knew what their heart was. And by the way, I love the fact that Jesus never passed up an opportunity to minister to people and to share the truth with others. And we find here that Jesus begins to tell this parable at this great supper. And the reason he told the parable was to correct the man that had bidden him. Those that had wrongly assumed that what Jesus was doing was against their laws. Now to answer their question, who will be at God's banquet in the kingdom? Let me give you a simple answer before I get into the message this morning. Who will be at that marriage supper? And the Bible is clear that those that will be there are those who have responded personally to the invitation of Christ. The question this morning is, have you responded to the invitation? Have you said yes to the Lord? Will you be there at that great supper? You see, the master is kind, and he is a generous man, and he has prepared a meal unlike any other meal that's ever been prepared. Will you be there? Now, there's a lot of people that might say, like some of the passages this morning, well, I just haven't uh, really had a time to kind of clean myself up. Some of them haven't even had a bath maybe in a couple days. Some of them might say, uh, I listen, I, my clothes are dirty. They're rags. Uh, I'm not the kind of person that you might actually want at that marriage feast or sitting around your, your table. I wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't feel at place. And you know what the master will say to you this morning? There will be many others just like you that will be there. Just like you that will be there. See, the food is on the table and the dinner is about to begin and what he is saying to everyone in this world is, just come as you are. So notice this morning, the offer is extended. Now, the custom of the day back in that time was that an announcement would be made. Sometimes weeks or months in advance. Those that were invited to these uh, great feasts, they were extended an invitation. And they were to send back a letter basically accepting or declining the invitation. When the day of the feast, the, the great supper would take place, those that were bidden, the, the servants would then go and they would invite them to come. And they were invited. Notice the invitation was simple. One word this morning, come. I love that word. Verse 17, come. That's what the Lord is still saying to people today. By the way, he said that in the days of Noah. The Lord said unto Noah, come thou and all thy house into the ark. God's inviting people to come to the place of safety. You, you, I think we all understand what that ark represented. It re represented that, that Noah's life and the life of his family was saved. They were, they, 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 for posterity's sake, they lived beyond that flood because of that ark. And God invited them to come in. I see Isaiah the prophet says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. 
Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The invitation is for sinners. How about this? The invitation is for saints. The Bible says in, in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Folks, this morning, it's a simple invitation. The invitation, the offer has been extended, and it is to everyone to come to Jesus. And those that come to him, according to the word of God, shall be saved. The Bible says in Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. You see this morning, listen, don't miss it. The invitation is simple. The invitation is set. The Bible says in verse 17, all things are now ready. God has done everything. Listen to me this morning. There is nothing that you have to do to add to what God has already done. Jesus paid it all. We need to understand this morning that he did everything when he sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins. I was thinking about, uh, I, I read a story and I, and I went back and found that story how there was a pastor and he was in front of a great crowd and he was trying to illustrate one day what I'm talking about, how he was trying to help them understand God's gift of salvation. And the Lord put it on his heart because of the time of the year and he he, he grabbed one of the poinsettia plants that he had at his house, and it was a beautiful red poinsettia plant. And he had that poinsettia plant up there with him, and he, he was talking to this great crowd, and he was offering it to anyone in the crowd for free. The only thing they had to do was come up and get it. And he just kept saying to them, listen, if somebody would just come up here, it would be yours for free. And all those people, like so many in the world today, they were so skeptical. What's the catch? I mean, if I come up there, what's going to happen? I mean, are you going to change your mind? And one by one, he began to hear all these excuses. No one moved. No one said, hey, I'll come and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll accept that poinsettia plant. No one would get up. Everybody was just looking at him, and then finally a lady from the back of the room, she got up and she thought, well, if nobody else will, I will. So she walked up there, and he handed it to her. And she kind of looked at him. She turned around and walked away and made her way back to where she was in the back of the crowd. Everybody just kind of looked, waiting for the hook. It's interesting because the service ended... And that lady that had taken that poinsettia plant, she walked back up to where the pastor was. And the story is recorded that as she got to the pastor, that she told him, she said, this plant is too beautiful to have for free. And so while he was standing there, she took a piece of paper and she crumpled it up into his hand. And he looked down into his hand and he saw a $10 bill that she had put into his hand. Folks, I'm going to tell you this morning, you cannot stuff a $10 bill of your good works into God's hand to pay for his salvation. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God has provided salvation totally free. And by the way, it came at a great expense 
to himself. The religions of this world today, you know what they say? Do this, do this, and do this. But God says it's done. The Bible says in John 19, when he received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. Jesus completed this matter of salvation. Salvation's plan is finished. You see, the offer is extended. The invitation is simple. The invitation is set. How about this one? The invitation is straightway. I know that's a word that we don't use a lot, but can I give you the Bible word that might help you understand it? Look back at verse 17. The Bible says, come, all things are now ready. God says, look, now. You need to understand, I have salvation for you now. God is ready. The table has been set. He invites us to come now. 2 Corinthians 6, for he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Folks, listen, if you're here today and you do not know Christ as your Savior, then you do not have a place at that table with the Lord for all of eternity. And can I tell you, do not put it off until later because later may never come. A lot of people are thinking, well, you know, listen, someday... But yet, what what does the Bible say? Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know what that means? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The truth is, we don't know what's going to happen next hour. All of us are going to step out into eternity sooner or later, unless the Lord comes back. And the Bible says that you and I need to understand what a day is may bring forth. Look, there may never be another opportunity. And the Bible says, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And I believe the Lord is here today. If you do not know Christ, listen folks, the invitation is extended. But notice, as we saw in our passage, the offer is evaded. You remember how we read this morning? how the Bible says they begin to make excuses. Boy, everybody's got excuses. We come up with some pretty good ones, don't we? I think I've been in the ministry long enough now that nothing really surprises me hardly anymore. Some of the excuses people come up with. But I want you to look in your Bible in verse number 18 because the Bible says, notice, And they, what's that next word? They all, now watch, with one what? Consent began to make what? That's interesting because when you look at this, it sounds to me like they all got together and began to talk amongst themselves and decided, you know what? I'm not going to that. I don't want to be there. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not reading into this, folks. It says, with one consent, they all. It sounds to me like they got together, conspired, because they did not want to go 
to this feast. There's a lot of people, I've talked to people out in the world, I've been at their doorstep and other places, and I'll ask them, do you know for sure that if you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? And I've, I've had people tell me that they're going to have a party in hell. I'm not kidding you this morning. People have all kinds of excuses. I'm not putting the man down. He's a Christian man. As a matter of fact, he was at the meeting uh, that we were at the last two days. But as we were driving down the highway, Brother Chris said, hey, that's a guy that a church I used to go to. And he was, they were going away on vacation. His, uh, his son is, is pretty sick. He's going to have a, sounds like a pretty serious operation or procedure. But as they were driving past us in the bus, we looked over and his boat behind his truck on the side of it said visitation. He named his boat visitation. In other words, that's what a lot of people do is they come up with an excuse. I can't go soul winning. I can't go talk to people because I'm going to be on visitation. Some of you are getting it. I'm going to be on my boat is what he's saying. Now, again, he's a Christian man. I don't believe he misses church. But understand that people come up with all kinds of excuses. And I want you to think about this because the excuses that they gave were examined. The Bible says, again, that, that with one consent, the first one says, I have bought a piece of ground. And he says, please have me excused. And another one said, I, I have five yoke of oxen and I have to go to prove them. In other words, I've got to make sure that I can plow with them. I've got to take care of my fields. And another one says, how about this? I've married a wife. Boy, if there ever was an excuse, I've got a wife now to take care of, you know. And they begin to make these excuses. And all of these excuses, actually, some of them, some of them probably sound reasonable to some people. I think about what the songwriter wrote. I don't know if you ever heard it. I like the little song, excuses, excuses, you hear them every day. And the devil, he'll supply them if the church, you stay away. And when the people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. But to keep them folks away from church, he offers them excuses. And that's what happens. Pastor, I'm sorry. Listen, can I look here. Don't tell the pastor. Tell the Lord. People have all kinds of excuses, and they examine the excuses, but notice the excuses were exposed. I mean, they, they appeared reasonable on the surface, but in truth, those excuses were absolutely foolish and unreasonable. And what does the Bible tell us that when it comes to excuses, why we can't be with the Lord, why we don't want to spend time with the Lord, why don't we want to be with the Lord for all of eternity? The Bible says, for the invisible things of Him... From the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without what? Excuse. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. That's interesting. We're talking about the invitation that was extended and how simple the invitation was and how the, 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 the Lord wanted them to come to this feast. By the way, the Lord wants you to go to heaven. God is not willing that any would perish. And I was reading back in 1953 that Queen Elizabeth II, she actually, this true story, she sent out 
special invitations for her coronation. And the invitations had something inscribed on them. And here's what it said. All excuses ceasing. Now what she meant by that was that in other words, there is no reason to RSVP that you're expected to be there, no excuses. And I think about what the Lord is saying here in this passage today. That you and I and every man, every woman, every boy, every girl has been invited and we are expected to heed the invitation of the King of kings and Lord of lords. That every one of us are without excuse. You see, excuses that were used by the people, I think about so many today, and I hear them all the time, people say, but pastor, you don't understand, there's a lot of hypocrites in church. Some people will say, well, I just don't feel like it. Since when are you supposed to feel something? Jesus just said, come. I think about people that say, well, there's too much to give up. Really, like what? This world is, is not our home. We're just passing through. The Bible says in Mark 8, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? The Bible says, or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? I hear some people, their excuse is this, I'm just too great of a sinner. Or they say it this way, you just don't understand what I've done. I hear people say that all the time. But yet I think about how that Jesus can and Jesus will save everyone. The Bible says in Hebrews 7, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Here's a good excuse, I guess if you could say it that way, that I hear all the time, I'll come later, but not today. By nature, you know what we are? We're master procrastinators. We put things off. You know, people, people act like they're too busy to come to church and too busy to go to God, but they're not too busy to live in sin. And they're certainly not going to be too busy to die someday. We need to think about all these excuses. I think about what the Bible says is Paul, uh, the Bible says in Acts 24, 25, he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And Felix, look at the conviction there, Felix trembled. And look at his answer, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I'll call for thee. Folks, many people have put off the Lord. They don't want to listen to the invitation. They don't want to come. They don't want to spend time with the Lord in eternity. And the offer has been extended, but the offer has been evaded by so many people. But listen, you can still see the grace of God in the last point. Notice the offer then is expanded. Look at the Bible says in verse 21, that after all the excuses, so that servant came and he showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. 
You see, the command was issued and it was carried out. The feast continued. Listen, in spite of the excuses, God has given us an opportunity to see people come to know him as their savior and this salvation is available to everyone. I think about what the Bible says in John 1. The Bible says he came unto his own and his own did not receive him. You know what that means? They didn't want the invitation. They said, listen, we've got things going on. Matter of fact, they're still looking for the Messiah. But I like the last part of John 1. Look at verse 12. I love the word but. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Folks, I see here the grace of God in action. Notice the direction of God's grace that people that no one else wanted, the poor, the blind, the maimed, the halt, those that no one else wanted anything to do with, the Lord cared about them. He said, look, go out and invite them. And the Bible says the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. I love what B.B. Warfield said, grace is free, sovereign favor to the ill-deserving. You know who the ill-deserving are? All of us. All of us. I said to a man the other day, I said, how you doing today? And he said, better than I deserve. That's true for all of us. There were two pastors, and they were on their way to Atlanta, Georgia. They were going to a a, a large gathering of Christian men, and and these two pastors were going, and they 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 were making their way there, and they stopped, and and they one of them had never been in the South before, and so they stopped and spent the night in a motel, and they got up the next morning, and they they stopped at a nearby rest, a restaurant for breakfast. They sat down, and, and of course, this one gentleman had never been in the South before, and, and, and they began to order their meal, and the pastor that had never been in the South before, he saw when the, the, the waitress brought his food, he saw this pile of white, mushy-looking stuff on his plate. And he looked at that stuff on his plate, and the waitress brought the coffee by, and he said, excuse me, ma'am, he said, what is that? And she said, that's grits. And he looked at her and he said, uh, ma'am, I, I didn't order that and I'm not paying for it. And, and she said, sir, down here, you don't order it and you don't pay for it. You just get it. <laughs> we don't deserve the grace of God. God just gives it. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. That's what grace does. Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. I mean, listen, folks, I get so excited when I look in the Bible and I think to myself, now, who is going to be sitting around that table someday? And I began to think to myself, you know who's going to be there? David the adulterer. You know who's going to be there? Peter the denier. Do you know who's going to be around that table? Rahab the harlot. 
You know who's going to be there? Paul the murderer. I think about others, the woman at the well. I think about the maniac of Gadara. I think about Mary Magdalene. We'll be sitting around that table. The thief on the cross will be sitting around that table. How about the jailer, drunks, drug addicts, thieves? Folks, I could go on and on, but you know who's going to be there? Those that have personally received the grace of God. You see, I see the direction of God's grace. Jesus said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I mean, folks, you can only imagine what some of those that were beggars and crippled and lame and blind, some of the excuses that they could have offered up. By the way, their excuses would have been legitimate. But when I think about those individuals, you know what I see in the Word of God? They all accepted the invitation. You know why they accepted it? Because the servants convinced them that their master wanted them to be there. And here's the other reason, because they were hungry. Are you hungry today? Do you want what God has to offer? I see the direction of God's grace. And by the way, can I remind you this morning, when you think about others, think about yourself. If you're saved this morning, the Bible says this, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Aren't you glad you're saved this morning? Aren't you glad you'll have a place around that table? Listen, don't you want others to be around that table? You see, there are all of us probably this morning can think of someone that right now we know that if they were to die today, that they're not a recipient of God's grace yet. They haven't opened their heart. They don't understand the direction of God's grace, but I see the desire of God's grace. The Bible says in verse 23, the Lord said unto the servant, go out in the highways and hedges, and look at the word, and compel them. Don't just ask them. Watch this. He had sent out invitations, and people didn't want to come. He says, listen, you need to go out there and convince them. You need to do everything you can to bring them in. And I think about this, why? Simple. Because he says, I want my house to be full. Hey, there's nothing wrong with saying, look, Lord, my prayer this morning is that your house would be full. It's not about numbers sake. But more people that come to church that hear the word of God, the Bible says clearly that if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. I see the desire of the Lord. The Bible says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that, how many? All. How many people does God want to be saved? Everyone. There's not one person that God would say to them, you can't come to heaven because of who you are or what you've done. So if you're here this morning, it does not matter what you've done. The only thing that matters is 
have you come to him? I see the direction of God's grace. I see the desire of God's grace that there's a place for everyone at his table who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But notice I also see the demand of God's grace. Remember I just said a minute ago, compel them. What does that word mean? It means to persuade them, to force them. I love where the Bible talks about Andrew. You remember Andrew had a brother? Anybody remember what his name is? Peter, right? Simon. And I, I love the fact that Andrew first findeth his own brother Simon. And I don't, I don't believe he just talked to Simon. I believe he compelled him. He says, look, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. He was saying, Peter, look, you've got to come meet him. This is the one we've heard about. That Jesus made his way into an area where most Jews would not go, and he sat down at that well. He began to talk to that woman there in John chapter 4, and he identified to her who he was. And you remember the Bible says she left her water pot. She went into town where she didn't have a good reputation. And here's what she said, come, see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Now, how many, look at me. How many of you think she went into town and said something like this? Hey, listen, um, I, I met this guy. If you want, you can go out and maybe meet him. You know, he, he, I think he might be, possibly could be. No. The Bible says that she said, you've got to come see this guy. You need to meet this man that told me everything about my life. She says, is not this the Christ? What was she doing? Compelling. How compelling was she? The whole town went out to meet him. Sounds to me like she believed who Jesus was. And I see the desire of the grace of God, which led to the demand of God to compel them to come in. When's the last time you told somebody about the Lord? When's the last time you told somebody that they're going to spend eternity in one of two places? According to the Word of God, heaven or hell. I was amazed when I was a kid growing up because I was taught to believe that there was a heaven, a hell, and a place in between. And somehow, over time, that place in between just ceased to exist. And I thought to myself, is there really a heaven then? Is there really a hell? And according to God's word this morning, there is a heaven. And there is a hell. And both of them are real. And can I tell you that when you study Jesus and what he said about both, he said more about hell than he did about heaven. God doesn't want anyone to spend eternity without him. He wants all to be saved. And it's so important that we understand this. I want you to look at verse 24 and we'll be done this morning. The Bible says, for I say unto you, I really believe God's speaking to all of us today. And here's what he says, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. In other words, those that offered their excuses why they couldn't come. 
The Bible says in John 8, 24, I say unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. See, it's not enough to be invited, folks. You have to taste. Have you tasted of the Lord? The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. What will you do with his invitation? Will you come and be a part of his eternal feast? Or will you refuse the invitation and be part of an eternal funeral? Are you coming to the supper? Or do you have an excuse? Do you think your excuses will hold up with the Lord someday? The songwriter wrote the words, Come and dine, the master calleth, come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitudes turned the water into the wine. To the hungry calleth now, come and dine. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Jesus is saying, as he did in this passage, I've got everything prepared. The Bible says that Jesus said, it is finished, salvation. This morning, I realize it's a Sunday morning, and I realize that many of you may know Christ as your Savior. But if you're here today and you do not know, this morning, the invitation has been given. Come. The table is ready. God is waiting. He has done everything possible so that you and I could be saved. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, why don't you accept the invitation? Why don't you come to Him and receive eternal life through Jesus? If you're here this morning and you know Christ as your Savior, could you slip your hand up this morning as a testimony, Pastor? I know that I'm saved. I've had a time in my life. Would you raise your hand this morning? I know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. What a wonderful sight this morning. You can put your hands down. No one's looking around. But this morning, if you could not raise your hand, this morning God had you here so that you can see that there, is, there will be an eternity. You will spend that eternity either with Him or without Him. That choice is yours. You see, He wants you to spend eternity with Him. God loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, friend... Don't put him off. You have no idea what a day may bring. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. If you're here this morning and you've never opened your heart and said, Lord, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And you acknowledge this morning that you are a sinner and that you believe that Christ died for your sins. This morning, would you receive the Lord as your personal Savior? 
We'll give the invitation here in just a minute, but I want to pray before we do. I wonder this morning if there's someone, maybe more than one this morning, that God's speaking to you that you don't know for sure, but you'd like to receive Christ this morning. You want to go to heaven someday, and you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to settle this today. I've been putting it off for too long. No one's looking around. Would you slip your hand up as a testimony? Pastor, I've never settled this, but I want to settle it today. You can put your hand up and put it right back down. Anyone at all this morning, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure, but I want to settle this. Anyone at all this morning. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you need to know Christ as your Savior, you want to accept the gift. The piano's playing this morning, and I want you to step out. Just step into the aisle and make your way down. One of our pastors will meet you this morning. We'll have a lady with a lady and a man with a man take the Bible and show you how you can go to heaven someday. And if you're not saved, why don't you come right now? Why don't you step out? It's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. This morning, if you're saved, many of you raised your hands. A message today, you might be sitting there thinking, well, pastor, that's a message of salvation. And you're right. But all of us know someone that's not saved. We work with them. We live next to them. They're part of our family. When's the last time you realized that the Bible says when the door is closed, and that day may be today, it may be tomorrow, and then it's eternally too late. How many of you this morning would ask God to give you a burden for your lost loved ones and friends and family members? I'm going to ask you this morning, Christians, why don't you come this morning? The piano is playing. Why don't you ask God to give you a fresh burden and a fresh vision? Because if you and I don't take the time to share the truth with them, they will not 